Hi, my name is Kirk Kinder, and this is Saving Yourself from Wall Street, the podcast for people who want to avoid Wall Street's sales tactics, high cost, and conflicted advice so they can take control of their financial life. So let's get to it. In this week's episode of the Saving Yourself from Wall Street podcast, we are honored to have one of the top Medicare experts in the nation as our guest. Danielle Kunkel-Roberts is a co-founder of Boomer Benefits out of Fort Worth, Texas. Now get this, Boomer Benefits has helped over 50,000 people with their Medicare. And that has led to them having over 6,000 five-star reviews on Google. Uh, Just last fall in 2020, Danielle published a brand new book, 10 Costly Medicare Mistakes You Can't Afford to Make. Let me tell you, it's a fantastic book, and I highly recommend you head over to Barnes & Noble's, Amazon, or whatever your favorite bookstore is to get yourself a copy. In this interview, Danielle gives us an overview of Medicare, as well as some of the biggest mistakes she sees people make with Medicare. So without further ado, here's my interview with Danielle Kunkel-Roberts. So Danielle, we're, we're honored to have you on the show. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I thought we could just start off with a general overview of Medicare, because again, it is a maze and all the different parts have confused people. So, you know, if you could just break out what are each of the parts and, and probably identify what's the real out-of-pocket cost that a retiree might face with each part. Sure. So one of the ways that I like to explain it to people is to think about the kind of insurance that you had prior to turning 65. Let's say you have an employer and you get your health insurance through that employer and there are premiums that you pay for the plan. Sometimes your employer pays a large portion of those, but you usually will have a paycheck deduction. Every paycheck you'll you'll see a small amount goes and that's your contribution toward the insurance. Or if you have an Obamacare plan, you're paying for your own coverage. That's a premium that you pay. And Medicare has premiums as well. And then on your current insurance before that you may have now or that you had before you turned 65, you also uh, pay things as you go along. These are what are called co-pays, co-insurance and deductibles. We call them cost sharing. And Mm -hmm. so just like you had those items with your under 65 insurance, you're going to have those same types of costs with Medicare. And that's actually one of the number one things that people get wrong. It's the first mistake in the book, because people have this vague idea of Medicare being out there someday, and we think of it as national health insurance. And so we think it's going to be free. And then we have to pay a premium for it, which makes us angry. And then to add insult to injury, when we go to the doctor, we have to pay co-pays and co-insurance and, you know, who designed this system? Well, it's just very similar to any other insurance that you had. And people, for whatever reason, have a misnomer and they just think it's going to be 100% free and we'll cover everything. And so if you have some years before you go to get to retirement, it's really important to plan for those costs. Now, when they designed Medicare back in the 60s, they modeled it after the old Blue Cross Blue Shield type of plans. So with those plans, we had our hospital coverage and we had our outpatient coverage. And so that's exactly how original Medicare was built. Part A is 
your hospital inpatient coverage, and Part B is your outpatient medical coverage. And for over 40 years, those were the only two parts of Medicare. There was no coverage for outpatient prescription drugs. We're very lucky that today we do have coverage. Part D was rolled out in 2006, and that is optional coverage that you can purchase to help reduce the cost of your prescriptions. So when we're talking about the parts of Medicare, and I know that I left Part C out, we'll get there in a moment. When we talk about original Medicare first, you have a deductible on both of those parts that you will pay when you use those parts. So for Medicare Part A, your hospital deductible, when you go into the hospital each year, you will have a deductible that you pay. And this is gonna be the first amount that you pay out of pocket. And you would incur this if you spent even one night in the hospital. We all know the hospital is very expensive. So the Part A deductible changes every year. This year it's 1484 in 2021. So if you went into the hospital and you were in there for a few nights, you would only pay 1484 the deductible and then Medicare covers the 60 days after that. So your inpatient coverage, your semi-private room, your three square meals a day, medications that are given to you as part of your hospital stay, all of these things um, you don't pay anything other than just the deductible for. And so that's actually pretty good. But if you had a long hospital stay, and you get to day 61, you would start having an expensive daily copay, which would grow over time. And then at 150 days, those benefits run out and you pay all costs. Now, it's pretty rare, right, to see someone that has a hospital stay that long. But those are pretty big costs if you're unlucky enough to get there. And so where supplemental insurance or Medicare Advantage insurance comes in is helping to cap those costs. Okay. So we can see already that we have a kind of an expense on the hospital side. And then, of course, we know we're going to have expenses on the outpatient side, too. The outpatient side is a little easier to understand. We have just an annual deductible, uh, which is 203 in 2021. And you would pay that upon your first outpatient visit of the year. So maybe your first outpatient visit is a doctor visit. Maybe your first visit is you go to a lab facility and you have some lab work done before you have your doctor visit. Whichever bill that Medicare processes first, they're going to leave the first $203 for you to pay. And then after that, they'll pay 80%. You pay the other 20% forever with no cap. And that's where Medicare starts to differ from the insurance coverage that we had under 65, where we have a deductible, but then also an out-of-pocket maximum or stop loss. Medicare doesn't have that. So if you needed 20% of dialysis or 20% of eight weeks of chemotherapy, these costs can be um, staggering, um, easily causing medical bankruptcy. And so there is a need to have supplemental insurance to sort of fill in those gaps that we have in original Medicare A and B. So are you with me so far? Any questions on that part? No, no, sounds good. So um, on the part A, uh, how does it work? Let's Let's say I have a heart attack. I go into the hospital, I come out, Two weeks later, I have another heart attack. How, how does that, how do the days work on that? Great question. So the Part A deductible is what we call a benefit period deductible. It's not an annual deductible. Okay. But if you go in the hospital and then you're discharged, if you are readmitted into the hospital in that next 60 days, then you don't pay another deductible. You're covered by the first deductible that you had. What closes the benefit period is when you've been out of the hospital for 60 days. Now, if you go back in the hospital on day 62, 
even in the same calendar year, you would pay that 1484 deductible all over again. Okay. So you could time it just very unlucky and end up paying that several times a year. And of course, you know, $1,484 is about the size of the average social security check. So yeah. it's a really chunk of big chunk of change for someone living, you know, on a fixed income. And these are all the costs that we have to anticipate when we're heading into Medicare coverage. Okay, great. Fantastic. So, great. so when so we talk we got about past A and B, so now, yeah, how do we supplement yeah. on that? And yeah, so when we talk about supplemental coverage, that's where Part C comes in because that's one way that you can help um, pay for the gaps in Medicare. There's only two routes that you can go. There's two classic paths. And the first path is a Medicare supplement, which is also called a Medigap plan, same thing. And these plans have been around since the 60s. They pay after Medicare to fill in the gaps that we just talked about. So you could buy a Medicare supplement that pays that 1484 deductible for you anytime you go in the hospital. So then you would go in the hospital and if your, day, if your stay is less than 60 days, you won't incur any Part A charges yourself. You can also buy supplements that will cover that other 20% um, so that Medicare pays 80%, you pay or the supplement pays your 20% and then you're left with nothing out of pocket for those things. And back in the 90s, Medicare, stand or Medicare standardized the Medigap plan. So there's 10 different plans to choose from. They all fill in different gaps in Medicare. You can buy one that has just a little coverage. Maybe it just covers that 20%, but you're paying your own deductibles. You can buy a plan G if you're new to Medicare, and that one covers everything except for the $203 Part B deductible. So on that spectrum, you could get a plan that has um, really full coverage for you, and you have just that small deductible, and that plan is going to be obviously more expensive than one that you would only covers the 20% and leaves you with paying some of those other things. So um, there are consumer driven options and you could decide, hey, maybe for a little bit lower premium, I'm willing to take on some of my own costs myself. Or you might be the kind of person that says, listen, I don't want anything coming to my mailbox that I'm not expecting. I'm going to go for this plan G, which is really full coverage. And Medicare supplements only cover the gaps in part A and B. So then if you wanted outpatient drug coverage, you would add on a standalone part D drug plan that you just use at the pharmacy that's going to make your prescriptions less expensive because an insurance company is chipping in a big portion of the cost of those drugs. So one route would be to have that original Medicare A and B, then a Medicare supplement pay, taking care of the gaps in A and B and adding on a Part D drug plan. And you put those all together and that's a pretty good coverage package. Okay. One of the best things about that type of coverage is that you can see any provider anywhere in the nation that accepts Medicare. There's no networks. So literally over a million providers that you have access to. You don't have to pick a primary care provider. You don't have to get specialists when you... Um, you don't have to get a referral when you want to see a specialist. The coverage is great. If you travel a lot in the U.S. and you get the flu while you're visiting relatives in Kansas, you have coverage right there in Kansas, just like you would anywhere else. And so um, it's really full coverage that's sort of low maintenance. But of course, because it's so flexible and easy and fills in so many of the gaps, it is more expensive than the alternative. So your other route that you can go is the Part C, and that is Medicare Advantage. And you've seen the commercials on TV with Joe Namath yeah. telling you about the great plans, right? <laughs> There's sure. like 3,000 of them out there to choose from, and they all vary by county. On these plans, 
you agree to get your Medicare Part A and B benefits through a private insurance company that operates a smaller network in your local area. So for example, I live in Dallas-Fort Worth. There are some Medicare Advantage plans here that only cover Tarrant and Dallas County. There are some that cover 10 counties in the greater Metroplex. There's even ones that are statewide, but Advantage plans don't usually have a national network. They're going to be a smaller local network. And now you have an insurance company making the decisions on your health care. So you, you might have to pick a primary care doctor if, depending on the plan you choose. You might have to get a referral in order to see a specialist. You might have to wait for prior authorization before you can have an MRI or something like that. And it's going to be very similar to the types of things that you had to deal with with coverage that you had under age 65. And these plans, 90% um, of them will include a built-in Part D drug plan. That could be a good or a bad thing. It could be good if the medications that you take are on that plan's formulary. It might not be so good if everything about the plan looks great, but it doesn't cover your $400 diabetes medication. So you have to then choose, do I wanna enroll and hope that I could file an exception and the company will approve my medication or do I talk to my doctor about getting a different medication for that? So there's a lot more work that goes into choosing an Advantage plan and making sure it's gonna be a fit for you. You need to check your favorite doctors and hospitals and make sure that they're in the network. You need to check the formulary to make sure your drugs are there. However, these plans are far less expensive than Medicare supplements. The plan, um, you still pay for your Part B premium. Now, um, when we talked about that Medicare has costs and cost sharing, um, we talked about that uh, the cost sharing is deductibles, co-insurance, and co-pays. And you don't pay anything for Part A itself, but for Part B, that monthly premium that you pay for that coverage every month, um, that gets deducted out of your social security check. And your Part B premium, you pay that regardless of whether you enroll in a Medicare supplement or a Medicare Advantage plan. So if you choose a Part C Advantage plan, you're still paying your monthly premium for Part B that comes out of your social security check, but the Medicare Advantage company can decide its own premium for the plan itself. And there are lots of plans in urban areas with what we call a zero premium, which means it costs you nothing to enroll in the plan itself other than what you're already paying for your Part B. And why this is important is, we do have lots of people out there living on fixed incomes. Sometimes we have the best of intentions of saving throughout our retirement and having plenty put away, but life happens. Maybe we had to put four kids through school and we got started late on our own retirement plans and you're working with a budget, right? Mm -hmm. So a Medicare Advantage plan can be very attractive to someone who might not wanna pay uh, for a Part B premium, a Medigap premium and a Part D premium. And instead they could enroll in this little plan over here with a little to no premium, but they're gonna have some of those other things, those hassles to deal with. And um, it's a personal choice. So we put out a lot of content to sort of let people know um, the pros and cons of the coverage, looking at both. And what I could tell your viewers and listeners is that the best thing that you can do for yourself is to spend three to six months before you turn 65 really researching these options. Go to YouTube, watch videos about Medicare. You can visit the Boomer Benefits website, but Medicare also has a great website. Do some reading and educate yourself about all the different options. Get a good feel for how the different coverages work because that's a big decision that you're going to make when you enroll in Medicare and you want to choose wisely. 
So what if you did a advantage plan, part C, <clears throat> and you didn't like having to either deal with all the, the different rigmarole or, or the coverage just wasn't what you thought it'd be? Yeah. What options do you have at that point? So that does happen um, quite a bit. One thing to understand about when you turn 65 and you first enroll in coverage, you get a one-time six-month window from your Part B effective date to choose any Medicare supplement you want without health questions and be guaranteed that you can have the coverage. They can't turn you down even if you're very sick and have lots of expensive medical bills. Once that six month passes, after that, in most states to get a Medigap plan, you would have to answer health questions and they could turn you down. And why this becomes important is Medicare Advantage plans do not have health questions. Anyone can enroll in them and the rate is the same for everyone that enrolls in that same plan in that same area. Um, however, if you enroll in one uh, during a valid election period, there is that requirement. You have to sign up either during your initial enrollment period or a lot of people enroll in the fall during the annual election period. If you leave a Medigap plan to go into a Medicare Advantage plan, you have a one time in your life 12 month trial right to say, you know what, I wish I hadn't done this Medicare Advantage thing. I'm going to go back to original Medicare and I can re-enroll in my same Medicare supplement that I had before without any health questions. Okay. But if you're on that Medicare Advantage plan for 13 months or longer, you lose that opportunity. So now if you leave the Advantage plan, it's very easy to get back to original Medicare during an annual election period. But now when you want to sign up for a Medigap plan, you have to answer health questions and you could be turned down. So if you're looking at the coverage and you think to yourself, you know, I really like the idea of the Medigap coverage. I can go wherever I want to. I don't have to get referrals. Um, the bills are going to be paid quite comprehensively. I think that's probably the coverage I would feel most comfortable with. But this Medicare Advantage over plan over here is so cheap. Um, you should always remember, we, don't, we may not always be in the same health tomorrow that we are in today. Mm -hmm. So we want to take all those factors into account. Now, maybe you've been a healthy person all your life and you're thinking, geez, I hate to pay this monthly premium to a Medigap plan when I'd rather do a Medicare Advantage and I just kind of pay my doctor co-pays and things as I go along. Um, that might be an, a, a good option for you as long as you understand that someday when you have a serious health condition come up, you're going to have more co-pays and costs on a Medicare Advantage plan than you would with, say, a Medicare supplement. So a Medicare supplement like Plan G that pays that 20% um, pretty much leaves you all year long with nothing out of pocket when you go to the doctor, when you have lab work, when you have an MRI, when you have cancer treatment. Um, once you've paid that deductible, you're kind of done spending. The Advantage plans are cheaper, but on the back end, you're paying maybe $10 or $20 for a primary care visit, maybe $50 for a specialist visit. A hospital might cost you two or $300 per night for seven nights, um, something like that. And many times with the Advantage plans, there are things like dialysis and chemotherapy, which a lot of Advantage plans will have you paying 20% of. The difference between Advantage and Part B is that with an Advantage plan, there will be a cap on the spending for you for the year. Each Medicare Advantage plan gets to choose what that cap is, but it can't be any higher than $7,550. But still, do you have $7,550 set aside for a rainy day? That's what you want to have if you join an Advantage plan. In my opinion, this is what we tell our own clients at Boomer Benefits. Hey, if you're thinking of this, 
could be great. Maybe you're the kind of person that would take that money that you would have spent on a Medigap plan and put it away for a rainy day. And now you've got this little fund so that somewhere down the line, you have a year with some health that's a little uh, worse and you have a lot more out of pocket. You're going to handle that so much more easily if you've set some cash aside that you don't touch for anything other than medical costs. Maybe you have an HSA account that you've been saving up money in for years on your employer insurance. That's a good idea of a little nest egg. So think about the potential for not just what you will spend today, but what you might spend on a Medicare Advantage plan down the road and choose the coverage that's going to feel best to you in a situation where you're not as healthy as you might be today. Okay. Do you find a lot of people, you know, if they've been pretty healthy coming into retirement, they sort of risk it, figure I'll do a two or three year plan on the advantage and then flip yeah. it forward. Do you see that a lot? We do. Um, there's statistically, the trend for Medicare Advantage has been growing. And that's, of course, due to the lower premiums and also just the marketing. The companies do hire sure. big sports figures and they market them heavily. And the television will tell you that everything is free and you get a pink Cadillac and all this great stuff. And there's things in there. They can include dental and vision um, gym memberships. These are things that original Medicare doesn't have. So they're very tempting um, and that they're fine if you know the potential. So we go to an exhaustive length to educate our customers before they join one. So they are not going to be unprepared when something happens down the road and they have some expenses. Uh, around 34% of all brand new Medicare beneficiaries enroll in an Advantage plan. So we can see that a significant number of people do choose them for the reasons that I mentioned. And usually people like their Medicare Advantage plan just fine until they run into a specialist that they need to see and that doctor isn't in the plans network and now they're frustrated by the network or until they develop a serious health condition and they start having to have some spending and their friend at Sunday school who has a plan G says, well, I don't pay anything when I when I have lab work or doctor visits and you think, well, why didn't I buy that coverage? Yeah. Um, so that's where that education really comes in. You want to um, carefully evaluate all of your options and just know if you go the Advantage route, you can always change from one Medicare Advantage plan to another during um, certain election periods during the year. So you'll be able to make changes to your plans, but you might not always be able to get back to original Medicare and get a Medigap plan if you can't pass the health questions, depending on the state where you live. And so just be comfortable with the fact that, hey, do I like the Medicare Advantage program and I feel like this will be okay for me? And I know that if I run into some trouble and I don't like the plan, I could do another Advantage plan, but I can't get back to a Medigap plan and it's not going to sit okay with me. And we have plenty of clients that choose them and are very happy with them, but they understand those risks going in. Um, they're going to continue. I think that trend of more and more people enrolling them will uh, continue just because of the cost of healthcare is so expensive in um, America today. And people have lots of other things they need to save for in retirement too. And this is one area where they can potentially minimize some of their monthly bills. And uh, that's fine. It's just so long as you know that having the little rainy day fund I mentioned is really important. Okay. And then I assume if, if I'm on an Advantage plan and I, you know, I retire here in Maryland and then a couple of years later I move to Florida, is there a process where I can just switch it over to a new uh, network? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. So when you leave a state, if you have a Medicare Advantage plan and you move to another state, that plan that you have now only operates in the area where you live. So you will have what's called a special election period to switch to a new Advantage plan in your new state. 
Um, if you have a Medigap plan and you move with a Medigap plan, you could take the Medigap plan with you, but your premium may change depending on if it's a zip code where healthcare expenses are higher or lower than what you were spending um, for your last plan. Um, so sometimes you might move, for instance, if you moved from Texas to Florida, you would have a big increase in your Medigap premium because the cost of healthcare in Florida is higher. Okay. And so if you take the plan with you, the, the cost could potentially change. Okay. And then, um, you know, since you just came out with your book, The 10 Costly Mistakes You Can't Afford to Make with Medicare, um, can you give us a couple of the top mistakes you see people make over and over again? Yeah, sure. So one of the biggest ones at enrollment time is missing your initial enrollment period for Medicare. Everyone have a seven month, everyone has a seven month window to enroll in Medicare. It starts three months before your 65th birthday month, goes through your birthday month, and goes for three months after. So you have a seven month window. That window is specific to you. Now, today, in today's America, we have lots of people working past age 65. And so they will think to themselves, do I have to enroll in Medicare? I'm not sure. And the answer is, it depends on the size of your employer. So if you work for a company that has 20 or more employees, you could enroll in just part A, which costs nothing for most people. That's the taxes you've been paying all your life that go toward the cost of um, part A. And it could reduce your costs in a hospital stay, event of a hospital stay, but it's not going to cost you anything to have it. So it coordinates very nicely with your group insurance, but you could delay parts B and D so that you're not paying those premiums. Part B has a premium of 148.50 in 2021. So that's roughly $1,800 a year that you could save by delaying Part B, and your group coverage already has outpatient benefits, so you don't really need Part B. Your group coverage probably has drug benefits, so you don't need Part D either, and you can delay those enrollments um, until such time that you retire when you'll be given um, a special enrollment period to pick those up and to get a Medigap or Advantage plan and a Part D drug plan at that time with no penalty. Where people go wrong is that that rule does not apply to people who work for small companies. So if your employer has 20 employees or has, has less than 20 employees, 19 or fewer, Medicare is primary. And so you absolutely need to enroll in both Medicare parts A and B right when you turn 65. Otherwise, you are going to find yourself potentially with some medical bills that you didn't expect because you didn't know you needed to sign up for Part B, and that's not the insurance company's fault. You, you might pay the 80% of your healthcare expenses that Part B would have paid for you. The other thing is that you'll miss your initial enrollment period, and now once you figure that out, you have to wait till the next general enrollment period. There's a delay before your benefits will start. It can leave you with not only late penalties, but a gap in your coverage between the time that you retire and when you can get your Medicare to start. So what people do is they'll ask their friend, well, you're working. Did you have to sign up in Part A and B? And the friend will say, oh, no, my, my broker told me I'm working. I don't have to do that. Well, if, if that's true, if you work for a large company like your friend, but if you worked for a smaller company, um, it can put you in a world of hurt. And I've seen people with 70, 80% Part B penalties um, over something like that. So that seven month window, you don't want to miss it. If you're still working, get the help of an insurance broker to help you decide what parts you need to enroll in, what parts you don't, what you can delay, or do that research online so that you fully understand it. Um, you want to just make sure that you really, really don't miss that. 
Another one about enrollment, if you're coming off of a group plan, is your letter of creditable coverage. So when you do retire, let's say you're 67 or 70 now, your group insurance will end and that insurance company about two weeks later will send you a letter of creditable coverage in the mail showing that you had that coverage since you turned 65, the dates that you had it. Make sure you don't throw that out. You want to hang on to that because you may need to present that as proof later when you enroll in Part D so that you don't incur the Part D late penalty. Although Part D drug coverage is optional, if you don't enroll when you're first eligible at 65 and you don't have creditable coverage from an employer, there is a penalty for joining it later and that penalty grows with time, it's cumulative and you pay it monthly for the rest of your life for as long as you're enrolled in Part D. So keep that letter of credible coverage. Don't toss that out with other insurance paperwork because you're going to need that copy to potentially save you from a penalty that you truly don't owe. But if you don't have the paperwork to prove the coverage, you might end up paying the penalty. So um, that's another good one to look out for. Okay, great. Um, so if people wanted to learn a little bit more about you or get some of your fantastic education content, where, where would they go? Yeah, we're really easy to find anywhere online. So we are at boomerbenefits.com, website with a blog, lots of great reading there. You can sign up to attend one of our free webinars. It's a Medicare 101 where I go through kind of the basics in more detail. Those are, um, we do them on every Wednesday night and then we do one live one every month. It's usually in like on a Thursday morning. So you can check the schedule on the website and sign up for um, those webinars to help. We also have a six day uh, email mini course where you get one email a day with a video of yours truly explaining some fascinating Medicare concept. <laughs> and you can take it in little bite-sized chunks. And then you can also find us on Facebook and YouTube at Boomer Benefits. We have a private Facebook group where people can join and post their questions and we're happy to answer them for them. And of course, if you're a reader, you can check out the book on Amazon for 10 bucks, even less on Kindle. And those are some good resources for anyone that's um, getting ready to go through this amazingly fun journey. Okay. And one last question. So 15, 20 years from now, when it's no longer the boomers, but Gen X, are you going to change the name of the company or start a new company? Or? I wondered about that. I was thinking I need to, I need to hire a college grad that's a sooner, a sooner boomer. And we can yeah. switch over to that because I get that question a lot. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what happens then. But I imagine that because the boomers will be with us for a long time, we'll probably stick with the name. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much, Danielle. I really appreciate it. Of course, my pleasure. Well, that's it for this episode of the Saving Yourself from Wall Street podcast. I appreciate you stopping in. As always, you can find our podcast along with other articles and videos at savingyourselffromwallstreet.com. And now, the lawyers say hi. Saving Yourself from Wall Street is hosted by Kirk Kinder. Kirk Kinder is the owner of Picket Fence Financial, a fee-only financial planning firm. Big Offense Financial is regulated by the states of Maryland and Florida in accordance and in compliance with securities laws and regulations. Big Offense Financial does not render or offer to render personalized financial or tax advice through the Saving Yourself from Wall Street podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.